Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Perfect Imbalance. On this show, we bring together conversation and expertise. My name is Jeff Way, and I'm the founder of Perfect Imbalance, the first podcast to challenge the myth of work-life balance and explore alternatives for improving overall well-being. Each week, I'll be interviewing different thought leaders, elite sports performers and entrepreneurs to understand how they are achieving happiness, success and greater fulfilment in their lives. So here's to you, the listeners, joining us each week. Welcome to Perfect Imbalance. On this episode, I share my interview with Cody Royal, author and host of Where Others Won't. Cody is also the managing editor of Inner Voice, and when he's not writing or speaking, Cody is working with the Australian Football League Team Canada as their head coach. You can find out more about Cody on last week's blog post as well. Now, on this episode, we dive straight into the work that Cody is doing. We talk about the book and, of course, the podcast, why he's himself going where others won't, and we talk a little bit about Aussie rules. Here's Cody. Cody, thank you very much indeed for agreeing to come on the show. It's an absolute pleasure to be able to spend some more time with you. So thank you very much. Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate the invite to come on and looking forward to it. Well, the pleasure is all mine. And I know the listeners will be keen to understand uh, what it is you do. So, Cody, can you describe what it is you do and why people want to to either work or, or interact with you? That's a good question. Um, I don't know why they want to work with me or interact with me, <laughs> but I can describe to you what I do. Uh, I'm, I'm a professional writer, um, mostly in business content. Um, so from a professional standpoint, I was a, a copywriter or that's kind of morphed into a, a UX writer now so all around user experience and then i've also flipped that into uh, my own content so i write about leadership and sports and the the crossover of leadership in in business and sports and do a whole whack of other things as well i coach the the canadian men's aussie rules team Uh, so yeah my life now is basically uh, speaking to athletes speaking to coaches uh, and then writing about it in some way, shape, or form. Uh, so to answer your question, I, I do know why people want to work with me and interact with me, and, and that's that's just it. Is I kind of live in this world of uh, <laughs> being around athletes and sports people, and, and that's obviously very attractive to to a lot of people, and they're interested in in that world. I love it, and and it is a it is a question I ask each of my guests because I want to move away from this, you know, this default of of given a traditional job title when, when actually what people do on the whole is far more than what their job title is. So I'm always curious, even when I've got to know the guests as, as I have in, in your case, to understand what it is you do and, and therefore why people want to interact with you. Um, Cody, at what point did you decide or discover, you know, what your focus was going to be in terms of, developing the concept around well the title of your book as well but where others won't where where, where did that come from it's actually linked to what you were just talking about there i i was a i was in corporate i was an account executive actually started in in sales and, and recruitment and you're right i was a job title and that never really sat well with me um and yeah i was a sales guy or i was a recruiter and the 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 point of discovery for me was in having the confidence to flip over. I literally walked into my my boss's office one day and quit and was like, I can't sell recruiting anymore. Um, I don't believe in it and just decided that I, <laughs> I wanted to be a writer and I'd been blogging and all that sort of stuff um, for quite some time. But that really set me on the path of uh, being a writer and, and making the written word, my, the avenue that I was going to take. And 
so that was the, the point of focus. And then it quickly became apparent to me that this was something that I could do, not just nine to five, but I really enjoyed doing it seven till 11. I can sit there and, and write things, whether they be my, my own stuff or for other people all day long. And I absolutely love it. And it was the first time that, to your point, I kind of moved away from that I am a this to this is a, a, a skill that I have that I actually love and want to tell people about and want to talk about and want to do. And so, yeah, that led to the book. And it's funny that the book was actually my exit from the corporate world. And it was, uh, you know, 10 or 12 years of frustrations with the way teams are built in, in the corporate space, um, married with my experience in, in building them and then also talking to other coaches and executives in, in the pro sports world and how they do it. And so those, those things all came together and I, I wish I had a really good story around the, the name where others won't, but it, I was standing on a train platform waiting to, to come home and just thought of it. And it was, was, it's mostly around how teams create competitive advantage and, and uh, generally they need to go where others won't. And, and, you know, Moneyball is a, is a perfect example. They were looking to look, they were looking to go where others wouldn't and look at statistical data and analysis to, to find a competitive advantage. So that's kind of where that came from. But it's a, it's a wonderful metaphor and message that actually translates well into the sporting arena as, as, as you've already alluded to, but, but also back in the corporate world because there is a lot of rules and, and regulations and, and, and processes and, and even models that have been passed through generations in terms of how we ought to go about business and how we conduct our business. So are, are, you, are you experiencing some, some inroads in, into the corporate world on, on the back of your experience and, and, and the work that you do in the sporting world as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there's always going to be inquisitive managers and bosses and leaders of companies. And particularly now that uh, the democratization of essentially everything that we have built competitive advantage on in the past, it has really led to this idea that now we know that people are that X factor. And so now there's this uh, craving for, you know, Oh my God, I've never had to actually care about people before and, and actually try to motivate them properly and, and utilize their unique skills before. Cause you know, what we used to do was we would uh, just drop the price and we would sell more. We'd give our clients a 15% discount and that was enough to sell more products. And so people were, were this necessary part of business, but they weren't the core business. And the, the interesting thing is now that most organizations, not a whole, most have realized that people are that core competitive advantage. They're now looking to sports in particular and the military and these disciplines where people have been all we've ever had. You can't drop the price in sports um, and win games. It's, there's no correlation there. So uh, now they're starting to look at it. And so, yeah, that's why I really wanted to put my hand up and say, I've got some opinions on this stuff and I think I can help. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of the idea behind writing the book and, and just trying to put, give, give the, give the ideas because, you know, how it works in the sports world is not what you see on the BBC or on ESPN over here in North America. It's not even close to how it all works. Yeah. The perception will be, and, and we do see it a lot in, in the UK is you, you look at a successful sporting team and with a few sound bites like marginal gains, uh, or, or that type of language, people will automatically think they've got an insight into how that team has developed high performance. And actually, when when you start to do some research and you, in your case, speak to the people you know involved and behind the scenes, there tends to be a lot more involved than than just taking you know a, a set of models or, or you know strap lines and then you know running them through a, a team or, or a particular squad. Exactly. And it's usually not the, the first idea, you know, it, marginal gains becomes the, the catchphrase at the end of it. But ultimately, like that is a that is a search for competitive advantage. And so 
literally Team Sky going, yeah, where can we go that others won't um, to create advantage? And then, you know, their idea was that those advantages would snowball, which is it stands up time and time again as a concept. But the the execution of that concept is what's important. And so, um, yeah, there's obviously those guys in particular put a lot of thought and effort and money into developing that system and and that's where the the advantage actually comes from not just writing marginal gains on a whiteboard and thinking that it's now yours <laughs> yeah i love that and especially having read um sir clive woodward's uh, autobiography winning i think it was um and he described similar thoughts and similar processes with with the england team when they were going through that transition um if you like and, and becoming more professional to then see similar things appear to come out of, you know, British cycling, it's that, you know, it, they aren't new to a degree, um, albeit they they've have experienced an enormous amount of success and 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 continue to, you know, achieve an enormous amount of success as well. Totally, Cody. I, I want to take you back a little bit um, to earlier in our conversation because I'm sure from a listener point of view. There'll be a few people there thinking, well, how, how does this guy go from um, working in the recruitment space um, to discovering or igniting that passion around writing, uh, which, which, which you've clearly done, but, but also at the same time, you know, coach a, a Canadian Aussie rules team. I mean, how, how, does, how does that happen? It clearly it has because you're here to tell the tale, but can you just, you know, explain a little bit about, you know, how, how you've come to coach uh, an Auss- a Canadian Aussie rules team when I'm sure some people are thinking, Aussie rules in Canada? How's that happen? I'll tell you how it happened. It, haphazardly is, <laughs> is how it all happened. Um, no, the, the, I mean, you know, this, this is obviously uh, looking at it, retrospectively but um you know the thing for me has always been uh walking through doors that have been opened for me and uh trusting that uh, what's on the other side is going to be beneficial and and there's an there's an art to that <clears throat> and you know my my full story that the short version i I played Aussie rules at a very high level. I, I didn't quite get drafted. I was just outside of, of that level. And then at 18, you know, basically got spat out of the system and realized all that I had wanted to be is no longer available to me. And so my life really started when I was 18, um, when I wasn't able to become a professional footballer. And so um, that I kind of had to scramble from then. And, and so, yeah, it's been this series of, uh, making decisions and walking through doors and one was to leave Melbourne when I was 25 and and pack up and move to Canada and and see what the world was like and uh, since then has has that same methodology has served me really well and you know um, obviously I, I wasn't completely behind the eight ball being from an English speaking country being a white male uh, a lot of things were afforded to me by by moving to a place like Canada but uh, it was still not easy by any stretch of the imagination. And, um, you know, I restarted my career here selling uh, mobile phones in a in the baseball stadium that the Blue Jays play in. Like I couldn't find work that was the equivalent to what I had back in Australia. So I went back to a minimum wage job. Um, and since then, it's just been the, yeah, um, uh, f- football in particular, Aussie Rules became a network of, like-minded people and Australians that were established in the business world. And uh, uh, yeah, I've just continually walked through, through doors. Um, and that is scary to a lot of people to, to move from, you know, recruitment into writing or to move from uh, writing a book into podcasting. Even it's completely different. Uh, so uh, yeah, look again, it, to my initial point, it's been a little bit haphazard. It's not like I've designed it this way, but uh, yeah, all the pieces at the, at the time that I've had them have been extremely valuable to me and it's just been building on that experience. I, I love the, 
humility there around the fact that it it has been haphazard and whilst you have walked through doors that have been opened that there's also been challenges along the way which you know when when you look at you know back over over anybody's you know life and and, and career where they've achieved success which, which which you have it rarely is it a straight line and what what's fascinating me and what what I want to explore a little bit with you is what is it within your makeup that has allowed you to you know take what some people might view as as risks or to just take that step forward through the door without necessarily knowing how it's going to pan out where 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 does that come from i think that that is a behavior set that i just observed from childhood uh, through my mum single mother raised me and my sister um, on her own and um, you know went from uh, didn't graduate high school both her parents passed away by the time she was 16 um, and created a a life where she became you know a top salesperson at Kraft Foods you know one of the biggest food companies in the world and um, you know one of the things that, that actually came up in in her speech at my wedding was that at no point did I ever call home and say like, this is too hard. Um, and I think that is just through modeled behavior that I've picked up is like, well, you just keep working. And, um, that takes an awful lot of faith definitely. But, uh, if you are trying to create something and you're very intentional about, you know, trying to create a particular life or trying to get a, a particular job, um, you just have to take action. And I think what a lot of people slip into, unfortunately, is stopping taking action. Um, but the reality is, you know, like to become Beyonce, you've got to go and sing every day and you've got to go and dance every day. And uh, to become Malcolm Gladwell, you've got to write every day. And to become, you know, there's, there, that's where the pattern is, is the taking action. And, and I think my story uh, is, is just that. I walked through the doors, but I, was, I, I wanted to, take that forward action um and actually make it so and that always that wasn't always linear like you said but um i knew where i wanted to go and i was willing to work the hours take the risks take less money to to actually get there so and have there been times where it hasn't worked out oh so many and Um, and 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 at what at that point when it hasn't worked out, what, what do you, what do you go back to? Um, you know, what, what, what is it within you that, that, that picks yourself back up and, 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 and goes again? Um, that, that, again, that's, that, that to me is fascinating. What, what, what is it Cody about you that when you don't achieve or it doesn't work out that, that you have that ability to go again? I'd be lying if I said that I knew what it was, but my hypothesis on it would be that um, I think I have an ability to actually feel that pain. Uh, and a lot of people try to avoid it. And I think, again, that's a, that's actually a trap. Um, I'm actually happy to wallow for two or three days and actually feel the pain and, and, and be in bed and not want to leave and, and just watch Netflix for three days. And knowing that on the other side, there's going to be this, uh, refreshed perspective on the world and life and life doesn't actually suck. And yes, I have you know messed up or this hasn't worked out as I wanted, but you know, you kind of get this like, well, what have I actually learned from that? And um, what could I do to, to potentially rectify it if I want to rectify it or, or set myself on a new path if that's what I want to do. And it, it's almost this idea of, uh, you know, like a forest needs to burn down to regrow and the mistake that I think we make often is that we try to just keep growing the forest without burning it down and, and burning it down is the healthy option. And so I treat those two or three days where everything sucks and I just want to either yeah, lay in bed or drink beer. Uh, I do that intentionally and knowing that or hoping that I'm going to come out with a, a fresh perspective on the other side. And, and that's when the motivation also comes fresh perspective and you're like, Oh my God, yes, I'm going to email all these people and I'm going to ask for this stuff. And, 
Um, you know, I was nervous about asking this person for an interview or whatever, but uh, yeah, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'm gonna, just going to go for it. And again, you, you're always in that forward motion. I, I love that. And I, I take comfort from that because you're absolutely right. There's a, almost an expectation that, you know, we keep, we keep trying to grow, we keep trying to develop and, and we keep trying to harvest or nurture you know what, what we have and and sometimes actually there's there's real value in just you know zoning out switching off just go through it and and experience it and suck it up and then come back with with renewed energy or new energy and new vigor and you know to use use your language there be, be intentional with you know what's going to get your focus and what's going to grab your attention and clearly that is one of the things that's serving you well because not not only are you an author not only do do you do your passion um and and what you love and and enjoy but you're also quite deliberate in terms of how you go about things and what i mean by that is you're you're quite happy and quite comfortable challenging the status quo and to give the listeners a little bit of background here, I first came into contact with you when I saw something on social media that you were launching your podcast and you were deliberately launching your podcast with, with a full series uh, or a full suite of episodes at once because your methodology or thinking was very much around, well, why should you release an episode a week when actually you've got you know, a slightly different vehicle in, in things like Netflix that allows people, and there's others as well, but allows people to consume as and when they want to. So I, I, there is something deliberate about how you go about things as well. Can, can you give us a little bit more um, thought and, and perspective on, on, on that as well and why you do things that way? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's the... The, the way that I see to get ahead, to be quite frank, I, I, I think being in the middle and doing what everyone else is doing and, and uh, subscribing to best practices, uh, best practices is just another word for groupthink. Um, and I'm not particularly interested in that. And uh, I think it, maybe it stems even from my idea of, of how to win games of Aussie rules. I think, you know, just my kind of coaching and leadership brain came up with very different ideas about how, how we can do that. And I think that's just kind of stem, uh, you know, just kind of built on top of as I've gone through life and observed a lot more and looked at different things. And uh, it, it strikes me that the people that are successful uh, in inverted commas, whatever that is, uh, they don't do what everyone else does. Um, they actually go where others won't. Um, and so I, I want to be that. I don't want, I don't want you, I don't want a hundred thousand likes on my YouTube uh, video because, uh, you know, I think that just becomes, uh, everyone likes that. I actually want to challenge the status quo and, and call bullshit on people. Uh, Cause I think that actually has more impact. Um, and yeah, to your point, I'm actually quite happy to do that. And I think that's a role that is needed in society. Um, and uh, yeah, if nothing else, it's to make people think differently. And uh, that's, that's the best feedback that I get from both my book and the podcast. Again, I, don't, I couldn't care less if a million people listen to it. If one person sends me a WhatsApp and was like, wow, I, I like that changed my mind on something or that made me think about a problem differently that I'm having at, at my workplace. I'm like, yes, that is amazing. I love that. Did, did you realize when you came up with the, with the title, with the name, with the, the metaphor where others won't, what, exactly how good that is? Because you can apply that to so many things. <laughs> No, uh, it was that. So we just talked about me being intentional about this stuff. That was not intentional at all. Uh, even uh, even the the acronym of Wow, uh, a lot of people clue onto that. I that didn't even. I had no idea that that was what it was. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I just. 
that's a marketing dream. And, and you can imagine, you know, big organizations bringing in, you know, the, a huge team from external to, to look at a brand and to come up with a strap line. And there you have it. You wear others won't with the wow. Which, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, pe if people do nothing else, having listened to a, a podcast episode of yours or, you know, even read an article or picked up on a tweet or, or something you put out on social media, if they do nothing else other than go and do something different, then you have achieved what where others won't. It, it, in, in fact, it's all about, you know, go and do something different. Yeah, my initial idea was all around, and again, I explained this earlier, but, you know, organizations, I was interested in the team aspect of it. And when I realized that I might have been onto something a little bit more profound than that was when someone actually messaged me about that idea as a mindset um, and an individual mindset is what I'm talking about. So like something that they could adopt uh, and being where others won't. Uh, that's when I really started to think about it from another perspective from what I had originally deliberately created it for. But um, I, you know, if, if, if that does something for people and, uh, and can um, yeah, have an impact, I think that's amazing. And, and I'm so happy. Uh, I just, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that was the one thing that certainly was not del deliberate about this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love it. Does it does it bring a little extra pressure to you though, in terms of how you continue to operate and and go about things? The or, or was that already part of your your kind of makeup and your psyche in terms of you know naturally going where others perhaps wouldn't necessarily go? No, I don't think it adds pressure. Uh, the only person I compete with is myself. And, uh, so the only pressure is, is on me. And, and <clears throat> if I'm happy with my work, then, uh, that that's what I'm going for. And if it helps other people, then even better, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, that, that kind of athlete mentality comes out of me and, and it's, you know, yeah, I'm not competing with anyone. I'm not competing in a market. Um, if you ask me who my competitors were, I'd say nobody, um, you know, I, I certainly play in the, the leadership novel area, but I don't compete with Dan Pink or Malcolm Gladwell or Simon Sinek or any of those, you know, well-known guys. It's um, just me. And um, see, so yeah, I don't think it adds pressure at all. And it certainly doesn't put a uh, uh, any sort of boundaries around what I can create in the future. That's for sure. It's good and it's, it's refreshing to hear because, you know, I think whilst we may associate it more in the sporting world around people competing very much with themselves, um, in the corporate world, it, it hasn't, hasn't really, and even the, the rest of society, that hasn't really translated through and there's still a lot of, you know, almost false economy around how, how we're measuring what we're doing, whether that's in the workplace or even on social media when it comes to to likes or to comments or or all those types of things do you, do you see it happening in in the future cody do you think more and more people will start to get comfortable with focusing on themselves and and competing with themselves and being a better version of themselves the next day rather than getting caught up with this you know, noise that, that, that we've got either in society or, or played out on social media. I think you can start to see the, the first wave of it now. And, you know, even to the point of the better science around it now and, and understanding ourselves and our makeup and, you know, putting a broad term on it, our DNA and how that impacts us. And we've studied, you know, uh, morning people versus night people. And we've studied, you know, the, the next wave, if you're looking for a business to get into, get into uh, the, the biology of food and how that impacts people's DNA. And, you know, it's going to be a personalized experience in the future. And you'll know if uh, tomatoes are actually good for you or not on an individual basis, little things like that. And I think we can start to see that the first movements of, 
uh, everyone kind of understanding themselves better. And then the, the, the huge benefit of that is then you can place yourself in society, whether it be business or in other things that you're doing based on that knowledge of yourself, uh, which I think is going to be hugely beneficial and not just from an economic perspective, but also a fulfillment perspective. And we, we start to create this world where everyone can participate in something that they're very good at or have an interest in um, rather than at the moment where we're working for massive companies that we, you know, don't necessarily like uh, consulting or accounting or banking or tech or anything, but they're paying our bills. And so we, uh, we, we go along for the ride, but uh, yeah, I think it's a more efficient and effective world if we understand ourselves and then can place ourselves uh, probably, probably into the world. Yeah. It, that resonates with me because I, I find myself talking more and more to individuals and organizations around having purpose in, in, in what we're doing and, I think there's still a, in a large proportion, a lot of people are in that space, as you've described there, where they are comfortable and happy to a point, you know, working in an organization, albeit it might not be in line with their purpose or, or, or indeed their passion. Um, but I, I, I do think there's a wave coming and I do think more and more people and, and perhaps that generation coming through who, I've been tagged with all sorts as, as being millennials are are going to help us, you know, get get some get some state get get some gravitas going with this. Do, do do you think do you think that will happen, Cody? Do you, do you think more and more people will wake up to to their purpose or, or having meaning and purpose in what they do? I do. And so that, you know, the, the data on, on the millennial generation is that they're, uh, again, this is a broad strokes portrayal of it, but the EQ is off the charts. So you've got a whole generation of people with emotional intelligence that is literally off the charts. And so when you start to unpack what that might look like in the future, and we're already seeing the, the ramifications of that is, uh, the reason that they're leaving jobs and, and uh, kind of disrupting leadership and managers is because what they're doing is they're calling bullshit on uh, things that you're talking about and telling me to do, but not doing yourself. And so um, that's where all this kind of discussion and like there's a whole page on it on medium.com of just people blogging about this millennial generation. And the reality is, they're, they're the ones that we should be following, uh, you know, not calling, uh, you know, saying that it's a troublesome generation. Uh, I think they're more in, in, in tune with themselves. I think they're more in tune with their role in society. I think they're more in tune with the way business could be done uh, if, and, um, and, and how uh, teams might operate if they were led properly. And so, yeah, I just don't believe a lot of the, the, the nonsense that is, uh, you know, discussed about that generation. And you know what? I'm one of them. I, I'm born in 84, so I'm kind of on the cusp, but uh, I, I'm certainly in that realm. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think the future actually looks bright. It, it does if we can harness that and we can, as you say, follow follow some of these people because their level of eq is is off the scale and you know i know through again some of the work i do within organizations you're into you're having to introduce eq in 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 some cases to managers and leaders because they're just not aware of it whereas we've got some great examples of, of younger generation that have it already in abundance and are quite happy as you've said and which I love hearing is calling people out on the bullshit um, because there's far too much of it. Yeah. And, and to, to get back to your, your part of your initial question around, you know, the, the, the why and, and kind of subscribing to these values. And, and that's part of the big problem is that I think, uh, yeah, we do, we actually do a horrible job of that. We, we, we know the concept we've, we've read the book. We kind of, from an organizational perspective, we understand it, but 
we're still, you know, coming from a recruiting background, what we do is we still just put a job ad out and wait for responses on LinkedIn. And really we're, we're checkmarking those people against their experience and their hard skills. And then at the end of that process, if we like all of that, we hope and hope like hell that that person also subscribes to our why, which we haven't talked about through that whole interview process. So now at the end, we know we've, we've got someone qualified from a skills perspective and an experience perspective. Then we hope, or, and you know, this as well as anyone, what happens is it'll be, I'm the employer and I'll say to you, do you subscribe to my why? And you, because you as the employee or potential employee know that you're going to pay me a hundred thousand dollars. What do you think that person's going to say? Absolutely. I do. Yep. This, I love this idea. I'm all about this mission. And so that's a whole broken process that uh, we could revamp if we wanted to. And we should, because again, this next generation is not going to fall for those tricks. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so much opportunity to just make little amendments like that so that we can actually recruit the people that want to be on our mission with us. Yeah. I, 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 I love what Michael Falcon's done in, in his organization and how he, you know, views people and also that recruitment process. You, you, you've hit the nail on the head there. You know, we, we hope, and, and, and it, we know it's hope because it's wrapped around a probation period as well. And that's usually the <laughs> indicator three months in or six months in uh, or extended if you've not quite demonstrated what they hope you would demonstrate. Um, but, but Michael seems to have a, a, a template and, and I'm sure he's not the only one that actually invests that time up front during that process to understand the person, the individual, what's important to them and therefore whether or not they're going to be aligned and, and work with, you know, with other people in the team, in the organization. So yeah, does the more and more I think about it and the more and more people I speak to, there seems to be a lot of things that are broken, uh, especially within organization, albeit I don't think it's just limited to organization. I think it probably does extend, you know, further in society. Um, but there is, there is hope because there's enough people that have, got wise to it already that are prepared to stand out rather than fit in and make some noise and back up their argument and call people out on the bullshit. All you have to do is jump on LinkedIn, go to the jobs tab and honestly punch anything in. doesn't matter what it is, any job and have a look at the first 10 job descriptions and they are mirror images of each other. But each and every one of those companies will tell you we're different. You know, we do it differently. We recruit differently. And the reality is you don't, uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, <clears throat> if we were reverse engineering, building a product, we would take that into account and we would uh, strip it all back and say, how can we do this really well for uh, our end user? But we, we don't apply that same sort of thinking to human resources. We don't think about the candidate experience. We don't think about the fact that that's going to be an employee of our business. And is this exact replica job description what we want to be our first uh, portrayal or first interaction with our company, uh, given that it's going to be exactly the same as every single other company on the planet. And so you're right. There's it's uh it's a broken system, but I don't think it, it's going to take much to change. I think we can do it very differently. And again, I, I'm an optimist about this. I, I know I sound very pessimistic, but uh, companies that want to get ahead, it's not going to take much to uh, be, become a real standout business in terms of all of this stuff that we've been talking about. Yeah. Do you think, do you think fear is holding some of those organizations back in terms of going first? Yes. Because they're, they're just, they're worried. It's, it's the unknown. They're, they're, they're not sure, but, but actually there's, there's a lot to be gained by, by being one of the first because then, you know, people will notice uh, and it might not be the finished article and it might, it probably will need refining, but actually people will gravitate to those organizations because they will realize very quickly that they are more in tune and more aligned to individual values 
um, and, and what people you know perceive as as their purpose and the types of things that they want to do yeah yeah i don't see it as the same as launching a product where there, there is that you know the history suggests that going first isn't beneficial uh because you know you, you kind of walk in and everyone just copies and, and replicates and, and makes your product better and then sells it uh I don't believe that to be the same case in this instance and, and around HR and um, uh, that all of the disciplines attached to human beings in the workplace in particular, I, I, I don't think that's the same case. I think you should want to go first uh, to your point so that you can really stand out. And uh, I think you could stockpile some amazing talent by going first before anyone else gets an opportunity to catch up. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, now, Cody, you you've alluded, and, and I've mentioned it as well, a couple of times. The the variety of, of things that that you're involved in, um, whether that's uh, as a writer, as a as a sports coach, as a as a leader, as a speaker as well. I know you you travel around the globe and and, and speak at a lot of events. When you sit and reflect and strip it all back, what what is your purpose and, and what is it that is driving you each day to, you know, get up and go and do those things? I've probably only really found that again, I, I, I look at my life and I think it started at 18 by not getting drafted into the AFL and, and uh, what I really struggled with for the next 10 or so years was finding a purpose like what uh and, and so that accounts for my job hopping and uh country hopping and a whole range of different things and and what i found recently since i've committed to to writing and and, and leadership and um and yeah ruffling a few feathers i think is that uh i have an ability to be able to talk about certain topics mostly leadership that actually uh, really make a difference in people's lives. And so the, the best thing for me, like I said earlier about the podcast or the book is when someone says, I, uh, you've made me think differently. And so I think that might be, uh, I think that might be my purpose is to actually be someone who is willing to put new ideas out there and stand by them and, and not be a shrinking violet. And, um, it, you know, I'm not looking to solve world hunger or, or, or something drastic, but um, I think there's <clears throat> a lot of people with good ideas that aren't willing to put them out there. And uh, it was never really scary for me. I, I, it's actually really stimulating and I like challenging myself to keep coming up with new ones and, and keep talking to people about how that might apply to their particular problem. And um yeah, so I, I think I've kind of stumbled into this uh, this world of this might actually be the thing is to to call bullshit and to uh, to discuss you know new ideas and and uh, you know keep uh, pushing everyone on this path of like we can be better, we can be better, and have you thought about this? Um, so that's what I think at the moment. Uh, and again, uh, to our earlier discussion, uh, it was not designed that way, but I. I more recently through particularly the podcast is uh, it it's, it's had a real impact on people and that's the best thing ever. Well, having watched uh, from a distance, um, although we have spoken a, a couple of times over the last few months, you, you can see and you get a real sense that actually the people that you're speaking to, um, the people that you are bringing into your network are, you know, often those that are thinking differently um, and to a degree, you know, happy to stand on the outside and, you know, champion their message and, and, and not worry so much about, you know, what other people might think or, or how other people might view it. And, you know, I, I, a couple of people spring to mind, um, Jeff, Jesse Cole and, and, and what he's he's doing um, with, with the Savannah Bananas. And, 
you know, he's he, <laughs> the yellow tuxedo guy. He's just like, you know, hey, if you want to draw attention to yourself, then you wear a yellow tuxedo. But it, it, if, unless you understand the story, and, and and again, I'm hugely thankful that you have brought people like him into my space because he doesn't worry about what people think about him wearing in a yellow tuxedo. This is part of his bigger vision and purpose for entertaining people and, and creating a you know a, a fantastic customer experience and you know if, if organizations want something different and are prepared to be bold then, then just look at this guy so it, I, whilst it may not have happened intentionally or deliberately you can see from the outside looking at the people that you're bringing into your network and your space that that very much confirms that you know this thought around encouraging enabling other people to to think differently so keep keep doing it thank you uh, and yeah uh, i certainly uh, i gravitate towards people like jesse and uh you know patty mccord would be another one the you know uh, former <clears throat> chief talent officer at netflix just has a completely different view of human resources and how that can operate and um you know the things that they were doing at Netflix, you know, 10 years ago were just completely revolutionary. And they, they just thought about that. And, and, you know, she's someone who'll happily stand up and say, uh, this, this worked for us and it could work for you as well, but you know, it's, it's certainly different, but that's okay. And yeah. And that's, that's the mentality that I take to it as well. And, uh, yeah, back to my original point is they're the people that, they get ahead and they get attention and, and they're not in the middle. But the reality is that people that create sustained success for themselves or for their organizations, they're never in the middle. Um, the San Antonio Spurs weren't in the middle. The Manchester United under Alex Ferguson weren't in the middle. They were all doing things drastically differently. And, and so, yeah, for me, I can see that path uh, for myself but also for others that, yeah, being, being in the middle, just being average. And this is a Jesseism. Yeah. Being, being average gets average results. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Now, normally what I would do at the start of each podcast interview is, is actually delve into um, the, the realms of work-life balance and, and get my guests to share their thoughts on it because it's something that's close to my own heart. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to pose that question to you in a moment, actually. Um, but I chose deliberately not to do it at the start because I wanted to get into what it is that, that you've been doing and what it is you do, because that that for me is, is, is the bit that, you know, is exciting me. And, and again, from the outside watching, watching what's happening, it, it's fascinating because it's disruptive and it's different. And, and that takes a lot of things in, in my mind. I have my own thoughts, Cody, as you know, around work-life balance uh, and the conundrum um, that we have been sold. Um, what are your thoughts on work-life balance? I, I, think, uh, I think it was a good idea uh, at the time. And <laughs> I, I can see... <laughs> I can see where it came from and the concept. And I think it was uh, well-intentioned as a, as a concept that was going to help people. I think that's already fallen uh, out of favor and uh, it's a, it's a great term like we talked about earlier to be able to just bring up at any stage. But uh, what I, to uh, shower some, some praise on you is I, I think, uh, your belief system and, and, and um, the ideas that you have are, are closer to the mark in terms of what we should be looking at. And, you know, I think this is a, <clears throat> a broader societal problem around goal setting and our problems with goal setting and time allocation and um, our inability to uh, stick to a, a process for a prolonged period of time, whether that be a diet, whether that be marathon training, whether that be weightlifting, um, and so I, I, I like your idea of extending that, uh, that time span out and actually looking at it from a, a higher perspective and um, sure. Yeah. Maybe out of whack 
for this month that I can compensate further down the line. And, um, you know, the only other thing that I would add to that is it's, it's also very individual. And I think where we can go with it again, from the optimistic perspective is we really on a personal level level and an organizational level is look to what suits that individual. Um, you know, something that used to kind of baffle me. And again, this is a, <laughs> uh, just a, an observation, but the fact that <clears throat> I'm not a parent, and it was heartbreaking watching uh, the parents get to leave any time they wanted the workplace. We all had to be there nine to five, but the, the asterisk was against the parents. Now I understand why that is. And I'm completely on board with that. And I, my belief system is that that's what we're all here for it, the, to, to reproduce. And so I'm, I'm big into that. But if we're all subscribing to this same thing, being in the office from nine to five, and then someone just gets to pick up the phone and go, I need to go. Uh, what that does to a culture um, is detrimental in my, my mind. Uh, another example would be just the time wasted uh, with people going outside to smoke cigarettes. Um, and so that, that whole thing needs a rethink. And, uh, and again, this is why I like your perspectives on it because um, I don't know if I have the answer for how to solve all of that, but uh, I think the whole thing, the work-life balance uh, all needs, we need to gather all the data points and look at it all and who we're excluding and who we're including and, and actually build that for the modern world, not for, you know, even the early two thousands, just a different place now. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I I thank you for for your thoughts and, and, and your feedback because you know, a couple of things there for me, it, it is individual. Um, and, and it does, secondly, it does need to be worked through because, you know, there's a number of things that this, this spans across and, and it certainly gets into the well-being space and, and to a degree, the mental health space as well. And, and it needs some more, some more conversation, some more dialogue, um, some more research and some more people bringing some different ideas to, to the table. And that, that's something that whilst I was quite clear in my own belief system at, at the outset of this journey with, with perfect imbalance, at the same time, I was also very open to the fact that other people will, would have different views on it. And, and I'm pleased to, to say they do have different views like you. Um, right. And, and that, that's the huge positive for me in that, you know, whilst it might not be my view, that, that doesn't matter. That, that, that's secondary. That's an aside it's provoking a conversation around actually the model that we were given the myth of work-life balance is, is another thing that's broken. So let's stop encouraging people to work on their work-life balance on the one hand, and then equip them with a laptop uh, and a mobile phone and expect them to answer emails and produce presentations at the weekend. It just, it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. It's a contradiction. Um, like a lot of the stuff that's broken at the moment. So, yeah, it's good. It's good to get your thoughts, um, as with all of my guests. And, and I welcome, you know, the feedback as well, because that, that, for me, just keeps the conversation and the dialogue going. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you're exactly right, is we, we need to factor in all these different things. It's not, there's not necessarily going to be one way, but we should be talking about it and, you know, uh, they, having access to high performance coaches and, and high performing athletes is you realize that this is the constant uh, job that they have is, okay, let's break this down. Is this getting us towards where we want to go? And how do we build a program around that? And we have the ability, we have the know-how to be able to have these conversations, gather all these data points, um, look at the world that we're in right now, um, not exclude people, but actually include people into all these factors and uh, come out with a much better um, opportunity where, yeah, we're, we're not actually excluding the non-parents in the group because, uh, you know, everyone should be included and have opportunities to, to have this work-life balance or, or, you know, perfect imbalance. Um, rather than just one subset of society, which we tend to cater to really well at the moment. 
Yeah, and, and you know, flexible working is a really good example of that because invariably it's been brought in for, for parents. Um, but at the same time, it, it's not inclusive or, or the opportunity hasn't always been inclusive for, for other people. And, and even if you take something like that and, and make it inclusive for everybody, not everybody is going to want to work from home because they haven't got that either that same level of discipline or they might work better in a team environment. So to be almost nudging, encouraging people to, to work from home or to work from a local coffee shop is not going to be conducive either. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right in terms of, you know, factoring in a, a number of different things that, you know, people can talk about and feel that level of inclusivity rather than feeling alienated, which is what we've got now. I'm an office fan, Jeff. I would much rather go into the office. I'm not talking about nine to five, Monday to Friday necessarily, but uh, given the opportunity, I much prefer uh, both from a work perspective and a, a societal perspective and a social perspective just to be around other people. Yeah, that's, that's probably been my biggest challenge, you know, working for myself is, is not having that opportunity and, once I had that realization that I wasn't going into an office and, and therefore able to bounce off other people, you start to look at different avenues and different vehicles like running a podcast, like interviewing different <laughs> guests, um, like, like, like doing things like Disrupt HR where actually you can still have an element of that. And that, that's the environment that I, I thrive in most. So um, yeah, it's having that level of awareness. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Cody, I have what I call some guest favourites at the end of each interview. Uh, these are uh, quick fire questions. Okay, so hopefully you've done a little bit of homework. Um, really, the intention is to give the listeners a slightly different insight into each of my guests. Um, so they'll be familiar with, with your story uh, and the guest story, which, which is great because that's what I want. And they'll take taken some, some nuggets and, and some things to take away. But this is really just to give, you know, a slightly different um, insight in, into each guest. So are you ready? <laughs> I certainly am. I'm looking forward to this. And I have done my homework. Good man. Good man. We'll see if you stick to the questions, though, because we have all sorts of anomalies happening when I get to this stage. Well, first question then, who or what inspires you most? If you had asked me 10 or 15 years ago, this would have been an athlete. But now it's uh, the people at arm's length for me. So my, my mother, my, uh, my wife, um, my family, and also uh, my, my group of best friends, people that I can actually see operate on a day-to-day -day basis uh, and, and actually, yeah, uh, see them in the workplace, at home, how they, how they, how they parent, how they, um, all of those different things, rather than you know, LeBron James, who you only see on, on a Saturday night. I love it. Three guests to have to dinner, past or present? Easy. Malcolm Gladwell, Simon Sinek, Bill Belichick. Okay. And that's designed that way because I think the conversation would be equal. Everyone would be curious from the others. Uh, so it's not just me asking questions. We could actually have a, a good four-way conversation. Is that going to be a future panel discussion on the Where Others Won't podcast? I hope so. I think, I think Bill would be the, the toughest one to get on board with that, but I'll keep working on it. I love that idea. Um, a guilty pleasure, should you view it this way, where, um, when you have some time to yourself? A, a massage. No. Something that I miss from playing sports or, or being an athlete. Um, just uh, yeah, very relaxing, both both mentally and physically, obviously. But uh, <laughs> very expensive when you don't <laughs> when you don't have a trainer that's available to you uh, pretty much twenty four seven. Yeah, my, my wife's a qualified um, masseuse, but trying to get a massage, oh, <laughs> I'm banging my head against the brick wall. Okay, a book and or a podcast that you would recommend? Where others won't. <laughs> both. <laughs> it, it covers both. I love it. And what's your one tip for improving overall well-being? Sleep. Uh, and 
even just, I think, uh, go and actually look at the research into sleep and its impact on performance. And what you'll find is it's at the kind of, uh, not the cutting edge, but it, it is uh, very substantial, the link between individual performance, not just athletically, but in a whole range of different disciplines. And the lack thereof is, uh, is also huge. And there's one, one thing that I, I always bring up in corporate environments is we still kind of glorify this idea of like working hard and thinking that that means working for 20 hours. It is absolutely not the case. And um, we have the science there to prove it. So even if you can't sleep yourself, at least go and look at the data and the science behind it and educate yourself about it. It's a super powerful thing. Yeah. I agree. I love it. Okay. I've got three final questions for you then, Cody. Who would you recommend as a future guest on this show? Well, I, I, I think after you've got his books, I think Michelle Falcon should be uh, a future guest. I think he would be great. He's done some amazing things and is changing hospitality and, uh, and the leadership and management around hospitality, which it doesn't get much press in these discussions. We, we tend to talk about corporate environments, but that is uh, talk about work-life balance and servers, particularly in North America. If you've been to a pub, you know, they, they don't get home until 3am, 4am. And uh, I think that would be a really interesting one to, to dig into. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I've, I've read his book in, in two, two train journeys this week, which um, <laughs> I'm going to go back and read it again but there was so much in it that, that resonated with me and it's the, it's the simplicity really. And, and, and I hope he, he doesn't mind me, you know, saying that and, and I'll, I'll ask you how we can reach out and hopefully get him on the show, but it's the simplicity in terms of what he's suggesting and it doesn't have to cost a great deal of money. You've just got to, you know, to put those steps in place and, and, and clearly it works. And, you know, my, my first career was in hospitality. Um, and I think that's probably why it resonated with me even more because I know what it's like to, to, to work those stupid hours and, and you love it and you buzz off it. But actually, you know, the little things that he's been able to instill in, in his organization um, or organizations is absolutely fantastic. So, um, yeah, I, I think you'd be a great guest. Cody, what are you focused on currently and how can the listeners find out more? So I'm in the middle of writing another book and uh, there's some things that we've talked about today, which will be included in that. Uh, so that's kind of my, my heads down project. Uh, and the other one is definitely the, uh, the podcast. So <clears throat> it's called where others won't and it's available on every major podcast platform and there's no shows named anything close to it so you should be able to find it and i've got about another seven or eight episodes racked up and ready to go everyone from uh, dan pink who we mentioned earlier who i'm interviewing tomorrow to ceos of companies to um you know sports coaches uh, you know anyone who's anyone who's doing something differently so um but if if you want to find me uh codyroyal.com is the easiest it houses everything my speaking my book my podcast everything is all there my blog it's all in a central location so it's c-o-d-y-r-o-y-l-e.com excellent well i will as always include those details in the show notes and you're coming over to the uk i believe in the summer I will. I'll be over there. We have uh, my wife's Irish and we have a wedding uh, in June and then uh, I'll pop over and, and see you, which I'm looking forward to. That'll be good. That'll be good. Cody, final question. And, and this really is your final takeaway for the listeners. Challenge the status quo. Uh, and, and that doesn't mean that you need to go and write and podcast and blog about it, but uh, be open to thinking differently about things, whether it is work-life balance and, and what that means to you or, uh, you know, whether it is just something in your life, your work life, uh, 
anything. Is there something that could be uh, more efficient or effective? And it doesn't, you know, I think we're kind of stuck in this uh, uh, arguing about everything in politics and blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, we can creatively come to solutions to, to a lot of these problems that we have. And uh, it starts with just, uh, you know, challenging the status quo. Could this be done differently or better? Uh, and that's, that's kind of the first step. So I would challenge people to, to have a think about one thing in their life that, that could be done better or efficiently or effectively and, uh, and try to come up with a solution to that. I love it. I love it. And what a, what a wonderful message to, to leave the listeners with. Cody, thank you very much indeed for agreeing to come on the show. It has been an absolute pleasure and I'm sure we could talk for a lot longer. Um, to get some insight uh, from you in, in, in terms of the work you're doing uh, and the disruption that, that you're causing in a positive way um, across a number of fields. So thank you very much indeed for taking the time. Not at all, mate. Thanks. I, I appreciate you inviting me on and hopefully I've added value. And uh, if anyone does want to talk to me, uh, my email address I don't make you fill out a form like most people do. My, my email address is on my website. So I've uh, open book. So please, please do get in touch with me. There we have it. An invitation from Cody himself to get in touch. Uh, details of Cody's website and social media links can be found in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do head over to iTunes and rate the show and give it a short review. Tune in next time to hear me interview Claire Moore and Mark Williams, the Head of Marketing and Chief Product Officer at People First, a company revolutionising the way that we do work. Until then, remember this. When you have a balance, enjoy it. When you've got an imbalance, embrace it. For in those moments, you're striving towards achieving the next success, increasing your happiness, or looking for greater fulfillment. Bye for now.